You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. I'm Tim Priester. It's Monday, December 9th. The news came out on Sunday that Notre Dame, as expected, uh, is going to the Camping World Bowl. We were pretty uncertain about I think I wrote about all four opponents at one point. Uh, and then you, you, then the athletic threw up Kansas State. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is Iowa State, 7-5 and five Iowa State, coached by Matt Campbell. Kind of interesting. Always a guy that uh, – a name that you hear – as a potential candidate for Notre Dame down the road, Iowa State's better than seven and five, uh, but I realize that most people aren't going to look beyond that. They had one point losses at Oklahoma and against Iowa. They had a two point loss at Baylor in September and then lost by fairly narrow margins to Oklahoma State and at Kansas State. But um, had a three point win against Northern Iowa as well. They did have a three point and, and, and a two point win against Texas. Escaped Drake to end last season. Oh, wow. Well, love the drink. Yeah. Love. <laughs> Offensively, a pretty good football team. And defensively, with John Haycock, they've done some really good things. Uh, he's been there four years. They, when you consider the Big 12 and how offensive-minded it is, they've done a pretty good job. Uh, it's probably, of the four teams, as far as balanced offensively and defensively, and when I say four teams, Texas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State were the other possibilities it's probably the best balanced team on both sides of the football. And having said all that, I know there's still a lot of people that aren't going to tune in because it's Iowa State, and that is beneath Notre Dame, so to speak. So, yeah, it's the the reaction was either A, Notre Dame should join the ACC, so it could have got the Orange Bowl, or B, turned on the bowl entirely. Those were your two options if you were Notre Dame, uh, based on the fan reaction, <laughs> which is a bit ridiculous. But I, I think that... Just in terms of if you like football games, which I'm assuming most of your listeners, the listeners to this podcast, do like college football, how Clark Lee matches up with that offense is is interesting. Um, and you were going to be watching football all night anyway, so why not just start it at noon and then go for a triple header with the two college football playoff games? If the listeners don't like college football, we're doing something yeah. well because they're coming and tuning in anyway, and mostly we talk about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, to, just to back Tim's original point about being better than 7-5, and five, they have been favored in every game this season except for Oklahoma and Notre Dame. They were favored over Baylor, who you pointed out was not yet Baylor, but they were favored over Baylor in that loss. They were favored over Texas. They were favored at Kansas State. They're only a three-and-a-half-point underdog to Notre Dame, and this, this is not an official line because they weren't playing those other teams. But according to a Vegas website, Notre Dame was going to be a bigger favorite in order. Biggest favorite would be Texas, then Kansas State, then Oklahoma State, then Iowa State. So in Vegas's eyes, they are better than a 7-5 and five team because they were favored in 10 games this season. And the opening line is? Three-and-a-half. Three-and-a-half. Which I found low. <laughs> Saying all that, I was like, what? Three and a half, really? Which is troublesome, because if I find that low, having not watched Iowa State, the people that did watch Iowa State right. know something about it that I don't. Yeah. I, you know, uh, Brock Purdy. That's what, they know, that's what they know about it, probably, is that he can play. I hear he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just move on from that one. <laughs> no, three, uh, hey, 3,760 3, yards. There's only seven quarterbacks in the country that threw for more than 3,000 uh, yards this year, and he's one of them, and he's pushing 4,000 yards. Number five in the country, I think, in terms of, of uh, uh, total yards passing. Only 27 touchdowns with that much yardage, which I find a little bit um, interesting. Defensively, uh, John Haycock is their defensive coordinator. They run out of a three-man front. They drop eight a lot. Uh, 
even in sometimes in short yardage situations. Get rid of the chart, Pete. Mm-hmm. Made a lot. So I think I, it's, it, it, I think it's going to be interesting because that tells me, having watched a little bit of them, that and they drop eight a lot, that they're going to force Notre Dame. Okay, you want to beat us? Run it. Let, let me see you run it. And when they drop eight, there's always a spy for the quarterback. So there's no, you know, no uh, easy uh, exit or access for Ian Book to run because they compensate for that in the way they drop eight. It would seem that spy could have been covering Cole Komet, though. They will sometimes actually use two linebackers to kind of spy the line of scrimmage. So, um, yeah, that, that makes sense. I don't know. I haven't, I, I've just seen a little bit of them, but I, I, I to me this is a situation where it's like, okay, Notre Dame, you want to you prove you can run? Prove you can run against this. I, I think that one of the, the biggest compliments I could give Haycock is that Brian Kelly was interested in him to replace Brian Van Gorder, you know, and they went with Mike Elko instead, which obviously worked out because it got to Clark Lee, but that Brian Kelly's hires from outside of his coaching tree have been almost 100% hits. Um, Haycock would have been one of those. The fact that he's at Iowa State, and I think Matt Campbell is obviously very highly regarded in the coaching community. I've, I've talked to Notre Dame assistants about him, just sort of like, is he as good as everyone says that he is? And I'm like, yeah, these guys are the real deal. Um, so I think Haycock's part of that. It will be a challenge, I think, for Notre Dame's offense to be successful. Can Notre Dame run the ball as well as Brian Kelly thinks that they run the ball? I, I'm not so sure about that, but a healthy Jafar Armstrong and a healthy Tony Jones, you could at least get the running back dynamic sets that you thought you were going to have starting at Louisville that you never really had until really the Stanford game. And, you know, there were moments there, and it was before Ainsley and Kramer went down, but there were moments in uh, with Virginia in the second half and USC where Notre Dame's running game looked like it was going to be coming around. As soon as Jones got hurt at Michigan, and they weren't going to run at Michigan anyway, it became Ian Book was the running attack. I just mentioned to Tim prior to this podcast, he ran for more than two times as many first downs in November than he did in the previous seven games, which is, just means he was not part of the rushing attack until the loss to Michigan. Right. That's why when you mentioned the spy, I find that interesting. They're, they're going to either have to – Book's going to have to read that and either be able to run, or as Pete said, if that if that means Cole Komet's got a little bit more room down the seam, then obviously Notre Dame fans like that more than the book scramble anyway. But I, it's a night, it is a fun matchup from pure football X's and O's point of view, and I get it if you hear the team Iowa State and don't. I think what's the word we use? Yeah, look, move the look, needle is the thing. We all not, know that, but we're, they're we're a not, better football team than Texas. It's they're, but yeah. I'd rather play Texas. Too now earlier in the week, earlier in the week, I mean Texas has more athletes. They sure, clearly sure. have way more athletes, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Sounds better five years later if you beat Texas. I mean, I, it, there's no. That's true. why I'm saying I, I'm not. We're not going to try to convince anybody to watch the game. If you don't want to watch the game, I mean, so be it. We're gonna we're gonna write <laughs> and talk about. A matchup, a football game, just like we would any other football game. But I, let, I just want to say a couple things about Iowa State. Um, they only beat one team in their conference that finished with a winning record, and that was Texas. There are five teams in the Big 12. Of course, the Big 12 has 10 teams. So five of the 10 teams rank 90th or lower in pass defense, pass yardage, passing yardage allowed. That's when I... We'll be interested to see Purdy in the offense against Clark Lee with a couple weeks to prepare. It is, yeah. yeah um, even longer than that, Clark Lee will, they, although they won't be preparing the players on the field the entire time for Iowa State, Clark Lee will be hard at work on what he's going to prepare them for in about a seven-day crunch, probably, for Iowa State. We talk about how these 
bowl practices go, they're not touching Iowa State for a little while, right? No, yeah. and I mean, the statistically, Iowa State, I think, is number two um, offense that Notre Dame has played in scoring offense behind USC and number two in yards per play that Notre Dame has played behind Navy. So it's something, whatever they're doing is working. Yeah, they're yeah. averaging 34 points a game. They're third highest scoring team in the Big 12 behind Baylor and yeah. Oklahoma, or Oklahoma and Baylor. Um I was rooting for Baylor at the end of that game with their third string quarterback. Yeah. So I must admit. You, 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 well, yeah, you kind of yeah, had, right? had, had to be. Yeah, you had to be. You know, but Purdy, I mean, he's got a free and easy throwing motion, kind of Davis Mills ish from Stanford. Only I, I think I like Mills a little bit better, but obviously they throw it a whole lot more. They've got four wide receivers that catch a bunch, they've got a big tight end that catches a bunch. Um, all these and things. Halls are running back. I do think if you're a Notre Dame fan, all these things sound better as a challenge to take on defensively than, boy, they do not mind running the ball at you, and they are going to test Notre Dame the way Michigan did, and they're going to bang and bang and bang. I, I like Notre Dame no, building to I, go against this. Right, I wrote about that today. Yeah. I mean, it's total strength versus strength. Yeah. Notre Dame's pass defense against their pass offense. And one last thing just about Notre Dame has nothing to gain with this. Two weeks after the game is over or whatever – Notre Dame's eleven and two. That's the only. It's the only thing yes. that matters. You don't. You're not. It's not. It's not March and April and May and June. You're saying, yeah, but they they beat Iowa State in a bowl game. You were eleven and two last year. Now, if you lose, <laughs> if you lose, obviously you're going to hear about that January through September. Right. Um, but just win and move on, and you're eleven and two, and you have thirty three wins in three years. And you talk about that, you don't talk about Iowa State. But even, a, I mean, even a win over Iowa State is a nice win. It's not something you expect to have in a bowl game, but it's still a nice win. If it happened during the regular season, yeah, they'd be touting. Why didn't we move be, up a spot? Right. We beat Iowa State. Exactly. <laughs> That's stumping for like. Come on. We had that quality win over Navy. Um, yeah, I did. I, <laughs> well, fifteen. Is, the fact that they couldn't get out of the fifteen is is. While I agree, is ridiculous. It's also the least of the problems right now. It doesn't matter. You want to get screwed sometime out of rankings? How about getting screwed between six and fifteen rather than four and five someday? All right. So yeah. this is what should not already be higher than fifteenth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think they should be thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, great. Twelve, like, thirteen. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. But it's like to get to get into discussions on Twitter with people who they're like, "Well, Notre Dame should be ahead of Utah." I'm like, "Yeah, no, I, I understand yeah, your I agree with there. that." But then that quickly becomes like, well, if you look at the resume, they should be higher than Baylor, Penn State, and Florida, too, and maybe even Alabama. And it's like, just stop. Why not just argue that Notre Dame and teams ranked 6 to 15 could have played at many times this year and beaten each other? Sure. It doesn't make you that much necessarily better, though. It does make me me laugh a little bit when I hear this emphasis on beating – Ranked teams: Navy, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. People I mean, do. It's not, people have been couching it quite a bit I, with, with their. They beat three ranked teams. Of course, they're ranked 22, 23, 24. <laughs> but, but it's yes. like a recruiting analyst headline of Notre Dame visits intriguing prospect. Well, and then you click on the link, and it's a three star. Like when it's a five star, it's in the headline. It's headline. When it's a three star, it's intriguing. When it's top twenty-five, that means it's teams twenty-two, twenty-three, and twenty-four. Yeah. I thought Vir- if it was top ten, that would be something else. Virginia at the time, that 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 was a nice win. They're a really good defense. You you made some things happen defensively and gave yourself a short field. Considering the way Navy had been playing with their quarterback and how dangerous they were, that was a nice win. Virginia Tech, 
I mean, that was that was a at, hangover at the, at the game time, that they were fortunate seen, to at the win. At time, it was seen not as a nice win, the Virginia Tech win. Right. But it was actually a nice win. You know, I will say, I give some Notre Dame fans credit that have been arguing about this, though. Everyone has looked at one, two, three, and no one's saying, like, well, we really could have competed for that this year. You know, because Oklahoma at number four is getting a 50 spot put on them. In the playoff game. There's no, I don't think there's really Is much it better to get a 50 that. spot put on you than be in the camping bowl? Yes, but it's still going to happen. So those top three teams are head and shoulders above four, five, and six. And if you want to take the other teams up to 15, you could play all those teams, five to 15, and could beat teams at certain times. Like Alabama has the worst resume ever in the history of a top 15 team, but you know they probably would be ranked, I mean, favored against every team in the country, including Oklahoma, other than those top three. Right. So they have the talent, they have the players. They just, they did not, they didn't do anything by a resume this year, but let's be realistic, right? They lose too much talent every year, underclass talent. Although Ohio State has consistent, when Urban Meyer was still there, they were consistently losing juniors in addition to their seniors. Yeah, I'm I'm much more interested in why Notre Dame was able to put up 17 points and 320 yards against Georgia, and LSU was able to just tear them to shreds. That's way more interesting to me than if Notre Dame uh, is 15th or 12th. Because Chris Fink had a bad shoulder. Mm. <laughs> that would have made all the difference, you think? Yeah, that, well, well, because they because yeah. they because so they, you're saying Jamar Chase had two good shoulders <laughs> on one interception, it would have yeah. made a big difference. They. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, they but plus they couldn't. I mean, they couldn't run the ball, so you're not going to score much against them if you don't have any kind of balance against them either. You know, uh, Clemson <laughs> over the last month and a half, when then they when the committee moved them down to number five, I have never seen more of a case of all right. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Just going out no, and no, absolutely no. murdered. Now, no, they didn't murder anybody any good, no, but they murdered, and Dabble, murdered people. Dabble Sweeney is clean to that, and I get it. He's a coach. He's in a position yeah. to do that. But They're favored. Yeah. Two and a half over Ohio State. They're, they're they are line. favored. Interesting. Um, and, I, I mean, I get where he's coming from, but it's a, it's a total reflection of your conference. I had to get into a little thing on Twitter when I saw that Todd McShay said Clemson's an unknown. We don't know enough about Clemson. Really? Before the game, before that game. And every touchdown, I was just thinking to myself, T. Higgins, I know that guy. Travis Etienne, known quantity. Justin Ross, pretty well known. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. <laughs> throwing 60-yard bombs off his back it's foot. Like no, same, yeah, I've it's heard of those guys. You know Alabama is really good. Right, like, you know Clemson is really good. I, the eyeballs. I began it with, I know way too much about Clemson to call them an unknown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Felt it all. Uh, I, I, we've had some questions about injuries, and although we haven't, uh, Brian Kelly did comment on Tanga Bailoa, Mosa, and Aaron Banks on Sunday and said they've been cleared. Uh, there was no comment about Jason Adamiola, but I, I don't, I wouldn't think there's any question as to whether yeah, a, he's back. I know that uh, uh, Jarrett Patterson suffered a hand injury. I don't know that that was publicized uh, in the Stanford game, but he should be, he should be fine too. So Lace, I, I don't. Lacey, is there anybody else? Lacey played since Michigan. Well, he missed one game, but pl- since then with a the shoulder injury that he probably would have sat out some. But he'll, he'll yeah, play. he's I mean, played more and more yeah. and more. He had the rest to. Of the he, year. he had to. Um, Adamiola. Wasn't never was really never a game time decision back in mid November for Stanford, but it's also a spring ankle with a month and a half to heal. Yeah, so. I mean, it certainly seems like the guys who can play will play. Um, you're not you're not going to get Hainsey Kramer Aquara back, uh, but everybody else who's available should be ready to go, including Khalid Kareem and Chase Claypool. I think I think we would all agree those are the two guys. If the two guys were going to sit out the game, 
for draft purposes, those would be the two that I'd be interested to watch. We will uh, we will talk more about that possibility in segment two. It is a question. Uh, anything else we want to hit in this uh, this portion? Just be eleven and two. Just just it's eighty degrees in Orlando. They can yeah, play I mean, just, they just the the, the, no. the extended forecast, by the way, is looking pretty good in Orlando, which would be. A lot different than it was two years ago. I would have been on pins and needles yesterday if it was between Orlando and El Paso, but it was just going to be between some team and the Camping World Bowl, so it was fine. True. It didn't matter. True. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two, burning up the boards of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from Way to Go K-Man. Will anyone sit out the bowl game? Sounds like no, according to Brian Kelly, although he admitted he hasn't really been around the team much for the last week because he's been out recruiting. Uh, You know, Chase Claypool came in and said, you know what, I want to make sure that I'm 100% healthy for the combine and I don't want to play in this game. I think that would be fine. I, I, I couldn't sit here and say, like, no, you need to play in this game uh, due to traits and whatnot, you know, it, at some point you have to make it a business decision. And I understand if players at this point would make it about now, but I don't think that Clay, one, I don't think Claypool or Kareem um, are wired that way, nor are they first round picks. They're not Christian McCaffrey. No. Decided to save, yeah. Um, I, the two, but it, I think you make a good point that the two guys that are available to do it aren't wired that way. So yeah, Notre Dame's can get. It'd well, be fine if they were. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Gilman, you know, but I mean, Gilman he is not super wired that way. No, he's <laughs> definitely not wired that way. But uh, no, as far as guys that, right, right, you know, not that he's a high draft pick because he's not, but um, you know, he could, he would have something to preserve, I guess, and um, he won't do that either. So, um, you know, I would, I mean, I would think that there would have been some indication of Brian Kelly at, at this think. point, right? Right. You I mean, would I think. would, I would think that. He would know by now. Yeah, it's it's like if you had if Jalen Smith was here again or some a talent at the level of Jalen Smith, you know, I, you know, Quentin Nelson was that was a real conversation. I think speaking of guys who are not wired that way, but in terms of his draft position, if you're a, if you're a top ten pick, I I totally get it. Quentin Nelson on very good authority from someone you both know well talked about coming back to Notre Dame. For his fifth year, is how he is not wired that way. Right, he didn't like how it, he didn't like the the Miami game and the everything. right. Yeah, I, I mean, it's impossible for a guy to do that because you're you're way beyond that. But that is what's in that that guy's mind is maybe yeah. I could come back to Notre Dame. No, you can't. You're not allowed to come back yeah. here. The story that I heard on that they were doing a, a full time full context scrimmage for bowl prep for the Citrus Bowl, and uh, I believe Chip Long was addressing the offense. And they're like, all right, full contact to guys, to guys. And Quentin Nelson got up, slammed his hands down on the table, and said, let's blank and go. <laughs> and in the McGlinch is more like, ooh, my back. <laughs> you know, I mean, in that game. Yeah, like normal, because you're yeah, going into a practice. Yeah, in that game, you know, 
EQ St. Brown's hamstring. Woo, got real tight. Yeah, no, um, it did. It did. You know, Josh Adams was Stay needed, tight for the needed, next couple needed, years, too. Yeah, Josh Adams needed foot surgery. I get that. Yeah, he, um, Josh wasn't different. that way at all. But, yeah, CJ, CJ Procise. I mean, we've kind of oh, spec, speculated about that, <laughs> yeah. but we don't we don't know whether. No, let, whoa, 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 let me finish. <laughs> he never stopped running. Everybody went to the sidelines when he missed that ball. Yeah. We don't know <laughs> how he felt going into the game. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I feel like Brian Kelly gave us a little bit of an answer when we asked about ProSize, and he gave him the old you'll have to ask him. Well, that's true. No, that's true. That is true. That's true. But um, I love the Nelson thing, though. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Can you imagine Quentin Nelson on the 2018 team? No, I think I think he might have killed someone. <laughs> like a freshman on Ball State or something like that. Think about it. Like, those guys can't handle that. I thought you meant like a teammate. In well, I mean, that could happen too. Until yeah, I, think, I, I believe that also have came you, close to him. Have occurring. you seen how yes. ridiculously massively large he is now? Yeah, did you see it in he the, is a freak. the Tampa Bay puncher video? Yes, like, he's as big as a house. You know, yeah, it's, he is massive. I, I went on too, too much about Nelson, but I think we do have to tell the quick story again about Bonner saying, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't going to come back for my fifth year, but let's put it this way. I was playing... All season long with a broken wrist, and I weigh 270 pounds, and I go against Quentin Nelson every single day. How much fun would you have at practice? (laughs) The game just wasn't quite as fun as it used to be. Denver Maximus, what are your initial impressions about playing Iowa State? Are you excited? Is it a good matchup? Or one that scares you if a 7-5 team beats Notre Dame? Well, the the last part, no. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to see like what Matt Campbell's operation is actually like. I certainly have mentioned it many times yeah. on this podcast yeah. that I am an admirer from afar of Mr. Campbell, and I'm, so I'm curious to see what he's like up close. You can't say Iowa State and have be super excited, but football makes it the X's and O's, and Matt Campbell makes it an exciting matchup for me because it's a <laughs> noon. It's a noon. Oh, well, that's super exciting. But that's mm-hmm. that's the same thing with Orlando. Orlando at noon is out of this world great. But Notre Dame winning, the, what I think I like about it, if you're a Notre Dame fan, is the five straight wins. I could see really not wanting to play this game if it's 9-3 and three Notre Dame that also lost two of its last three. Two or, of its last three or something. If, even like that 2017 yeah. you're like, how did we end up here? Right. Um, they didn't in 2017. But the way they're playing, I think everybody should want to play to see Notre Dame play again. Yeah, I you know, initial impressions of Iowa State are that they're a very well-coached football team, and, and that's not very surprising. I think they maximize what they have on both sides of the football. Uh, I'm not overly first impression about the athletes on the defensive side of the ball. I don't see a ton, but I think that's where Haycock makes up with some, some scheme and strategy. Um, you know, and they can really throw it. I don't, I don't really know... Brees Hall is their running back. He's he's a freshman. He's listed six one two oh five. He looks pretty slight. So I don't think that they're going to run a whole lot against Notre Dame. So they're gonna have to they're gonna wing it. Um Purdy throws forty times a game, just about every game. On a related question to this, because we can get into it now. Mike yeah, Rose, Mike Rose forty three ten. Other than solid coaching and QB QB play, which you're talking about, Tim, are there any other areas of Iowa State's game that should worry Notre Dame? Well, I, I would I would say Haycock just because of the way they've built their defense. Now they're not scoring defense hasn't isn't as good as it was the last two years, but it's still way better than it was when he first got there, which is thirty one thirty one a game. So uh just enough scheme there. Uh, and, and especially since I think they're going to force Notre Dame to prove that they can run, I think that's enough to be a little bit concerning um, when you take everything into consideration. 
ND band in 94, if you were the head coach of Notre Dame, how would you approach the bowl game? I think there's two different questions in here, but play the starters so you have the game won, and then work in the backups to give them experience, or play as many as you reasonably can, even if it means you might lose. Uh, I guess I still don't understand the question. The question I take it, if you're the head coach of Notre Dame, how do you approach the bowl game, is a valid question in that I thought he meant practice. No, I they, think I think that's part the of the question, yeah. yeah. In practice, I believe they will approach it like they do all non-playoff and BCS games. It is time for the young players to play. Alohi Gilman, Jalen Elliott, Khalid Kareem, they are taking a break. They yeah, the, old, the, older guy, the older guys won't do much until right. the, the, within seven days before the game. And they won't do much on Iowa State specific with the players until seven days before the game because you're just looking at freshman year C.J. Procise to see what he's going to be, freshman year Torrey Hunter Jr. Those are where these – this is where guys – come up the ranks a little bit because they've hopefully improved since August but have been on the scout team and you can't truly look at guys. You can't, if you're Brian Kelly, you, you there's only so many guys you're going to look at as the season progresses, right, even with this four-game rule. So I think it's a lot of the three- and four-game guys get so much playing time here, but the bowl game will be just like any other game where Ian Book takes every snap and so does the offensive line and so does yeah. Chase Claypool. I, I go back to what I think we said the last podcast. I mean, how many guys are they supposed to play? They, they play a lot of guys on both sides of the football, especially defensively, so there's only so many that you're going to roll out there. But, I, look, you're... You never play. I don't care what the situation is. You you got to win. You got to play to win the game. You're not taking a look at DJ Brown in the game when you have a low heelman. No, it's a, not he's not going to gain yeah. enough by that one little experience to sacrifice a loss to Iowa State and go into the offseason 10 and 3. I don't know if it was Pete or you Tim that mentioned Jordan Jenmark Keats a different situation because they had bad safeties and they wanted to see what they had. Right. <laughs> like this was yeah. that was a hey, maybe he can give us something and he right. did. And, and he, he did. did. Yeah. He absolutely did. Yeah. I I agree. I and they've played, you know, I mean KJ Wallace I, I I mean it's just it's not the time to do that. It, you can there's plenty of time in the spring and all that they do during the summer, plenty of guy plenty of time to build those guys up. Utah Domer, of the following, who returns to Notre Dame next season? I'll ask as we go along. Ian Book. Back. I'm gonna I'm going to say back, maybe, or gone. And I'm going to <laughs> those are all three. <laughs> what are, but are not, there not, not grad transfer, you're saying. No. Oh, right. okay. No. All right. All right. Yeah. There was a another No, option. no. Well, what? what? Grad transfer. Yeah. No, I thought that you were saying no, either, back, either, or either, back or not. Because, you're like, well, both. Okay, because <laughs> some of these guys I think are gonna come back. Some of these guys, I think, are going to leave, and a couple that I'm not sure of. And I would say I lean towards book come back, but I'm not You're fully not. sure of okay. that. I'm back more so than Tim, I think. Tony Jones Jr. That that one, I have no idea. That's one I have no idea either. Cause... That's why I got a maybe in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> Javon McKinley's no. That's a gone. Yeah. That's a yeah. He and I, and I, and as far as I know, he's not grad transferring. He's retired. Yeah. Oh, that I don't Do you, know. Yeah, I, I I think that that's true, but I, but we're all convinced that there won't be a fifth year at Notre yeah. Dame. Adi Ogundeji? Back for he, sure. He's back for sure. Back for sure. Sean Crawford? He's he's back. He's back. So you guys tell me. I, I, he's back. I just, okay. Yeah. I just haven't talked to him I mean, about I, it. I haven't I, asked about I, it. I, I, we're pretty sure that yeah. he – well, first of all, there's no – there's no, there's no doubt that he'd be granted a sixth year. I, I, I mean, that's yeah, a formality. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and as far as we know or hear, he's likely to come back. Alohi, which is Alohi Gilman. Huge, hugely important <laughs> for an otherwise very young secondary. Seems like Alohi Gilman is gone, though. I do think so too, because despite his grade, I think he's done. 
Yeah, I think he, he just wants to take a shot at it. Yeah, I, and that's I do not blame him at all. And again, he he went to he had a year of prep school before Navy, so that next year would be the equivalent of his sixth year since high school. So he's just ready to go. Um, he's he's, he's going to go despite a grade, but I don't blame him because he's not going to be six two two fifteen next year. No, and if he wants to come back, that would be really good too. Oh, goodness! <laughs> Gilman and Crawford come back with Kyle Hamilton. Everything yep. everything just changed. The secondary, all of a sudden, no doubt. Man, we it, talked. We talked about that. How significant that could be. I think Pete, you were here for that one a month ago. I said if Lohi Gilman comes back, Kyle Hamilton's an All American, right? Because yeah. he didn't have to do and anything. So if you're saying football. you only get one out of the two, okay, well, uh, right, happen, yeah. you'll take that. Todd Light, I think he will depart. I agree. I agree. Jeff Quinn. Save the best for last. There, Don't Tim. know. Right. And that's the the Tony Jones of the coaching list. Yeah, I'm not sure about Can that. Can I say either. on staff employed by Notre Dame? No. It's your How? podcast. What? You can say whatever yeah. you want. It's your... There's like a fourth. In what back. capacity? Tony Jones can't be like reassigned. No, <laughs> but I like in what. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying that's a fourth. There's a fourth option. Associate there. athletic director? They don't have enough of those, you know? <laughs> I mean, I guess I think he'll be back. I would guess. No, guess I, mean, it. I would guess he comes back. Don't you, you know, Brian Kelly, I thought, sort of came to his defense. Tangentially, uh, during the Camping World Bowl press conference, about like, hey, look, we lost our two best starting offensive linemen. The run game is what it is, which he's not wrong about. Um, well, I, I don't know too many offensive lines that play great with their two st- best starters out. However, I still think the line should have been better. I don't know why Notre Dame shouldn't have one of the ten best offensive line coaches in the country, if not top five. I mean, why? Why shouldn't they? And no, I, no, no, that's and I, the place you just, would go for it. I would think. Yeah, and I just I don't think they have one of the five or ten best offensive line coaches in the country. Very quickly on this one, if people are wondering about Tony Jones, it's because he, not only we can't get a read on him, but like if he wants to give the pros a shot, and whether you listening think that's possible or not, now is the time to give them a shot because you just had a good year, yeah. you're healthy. So this would be the time to go. If he doesn't think he can be in the NFL, like in his mind, he doesn't think of himself as an NFL player, he should come back because then he could have one more fun year of football. Yeah, Big Mac. 24, if Todd Light were to move on, who are possible replacements? What about Kerry Cooks? He's at Texas Tech. He was, when when uh, Lincoln Riley took over as head coach at Oklahoma, he was one of the guys that was purged with the defensive staff. He's at Texas Tech. Why not? It makes a lot of sense, given something that happened to me this morning. Yeah. I'll just keep it to myself at this point. Me yeah. Too. Um, I hadn't thought about that when it happened, but now now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I think uh, the relationship's there. Um, he certainly knows what it takes to recruit here. And yeah, and, you know anything about this, Pete? Uh, I don't. I I would throw out one other option that would I, I think be a little unconventional. But if you gave Terry Joseph the entire secondary, yeah, yeah. and then you promoted Nick Lazinski to linebackers coach with Clark Lee, because I I if Clark Lee left. I'm pretty sure Nick Lazinski would be his first hire as linebackers coach. Um, he is incredibly well regarded uh, in the building. You know, it would be a risky move. Um, so Clark you know, Lee just has more time to coordinate everything, you right? Know, it doesn't work. Um, you know, I think it would be very taxing for Terry Joseph as well to coach an entire unit that just essentially <laughs> like the entire. It's like you know, you're coaching five or six guys is very complicated. Uh, I'm not I'm not advocating for that. They're, I think that bringing Kerry Cooks back to work with Terry Joseph would be the right. Mm-hmm. That would be the, the move that yeah. would make the most sense to me. The very young group for Joseph, too. Like, this past group, he probably could have coached by himself. I mean, one guy could have Gilman and Elliott 
because you're not yeah. doing as much with Gilder and Elliot. Next year you're doing it with everybody, right, including right, Kyle right, right. Yeah. You'd need to find like Remember, a Lazinski in the secondary, yeah. like a GA plus. Well, type like of person. like Kyle McCarthy. Kyle McCarthy at that time, right? Who, yeah. who basically coached I mean, the safeties that who year? Who basically coaches safeties and sounds like he in or it sounds like Lazinski is in the same category as a Kyle McCarthy from a couple of years ago, a young, exciting uh, prospect. M. Buescher, 96. If Chip Long goes to Memphis, who do you see replacing him on the staff? Which coaches might go with him? I don't, <laughs> I don't see him going I, to Memphis. I don't see... I don't think it's going to happen. Coaches leaving with him I could see Dell Memphis. I could Del see Dell leaving with him because they've known each other so yeah. long. They've been together for so long. To Memphis? I wouldn't think it's a great move. I think Del, those two are just... like tight. If he's OC yeah. at Memphis... Well, okay, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, if um, I was actually thinking the Lance Taylor wants to be a coordinator. If you wanted to, if you want, if if that were the case, then I, I could see them leaving if they were elevated to coordinator. I don't see anybody, um, you know, leaving to just take a position or. No, but coordinator would make sense. Yeah, no, it certainly would. Um, I've got to believe that Tom, Tom Reese is somebody that would be under consideration if Chip Long is gone. Oh, yeah. To be Notre Dame's offensive coordinator? Correct. He definitely would be under consideration. I don't think that would be a very good idea. I think that would be a really, really risky move. I do, too. I'd like him as a quarterback coach in this this stage of his life and career. No, I agree. But I wouldn't rule that out Hey, you know what? Matt LaFleur is the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, so... You know, Who knows I, with these young we coaches. said three years ago that if Jeff Quinn were hired, we would throw air for offensive line. We've heard so much against it. We'll probably throw away our laptops and bag them on our heads. And we're in year three, entering year three. So <laughs> well, things can happen. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. I wanna, 32 I, wins later. Yeah. Right? The, yeah. the, the Matt LaFleur, what, what's Green Bay's record now? Do you have any idea? I don't know, but they're in the NFL. Yeah, I know, right. And, no, the last I, of the I, Niners, I don't know what they did this I always go, the, I've been going to the Nordham Club Milwaukee for more than 30 years every August. They're in the NFL. And they asked me, they asked me about Matt LaFleur because, you know, they're all Green Bay fans in, in Milwaukee. And I said, you know, I mean, don't quote me on this. I didn't know the guy that well, but if you asked me what I thought about Matt LaFleur being the named the head coach of Green Bay, my response would be, I think he's over his head. Well, <laughs> I've heard that that comment has been thrown back at me a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it has. It's really nine and four, ten and three. Yeah, he's, do, he's doing a he's doing a pretty good job. It's still early, but he's doing a pretty good job. So, uh, so there's that. Everybody worried about losing Mike Sanford? He's been fired already. <laughs> Irish Gambler. What piece can we reasonably expect to be better next year and thus help the quarterback play? Offensive line consistency, explosiveness from the receivers, or more production for the running backs? The running backs for sure. Um, I would hope that the offensive line would be better regardless, you know, whether it's Jeff Quinn or somebody else. Like, I would – all five starters will be back. Six. Like, it's – it's Six. Set, Six. Exactly. It's set up for a really good year along the offensive line next year. I think the running back is set up for an improved year as well. Receiver will be – take a step back. Tight end will will be better. Um, yeah, tight end will be better. And, like, wow. one of the things Michael that will Mayer help – coming in. One of the things that will help the quarterback play is the quarterback. Where he, I think he's, he understands the burden of being the Notre Dame quarterback so much differently now than when he did when the season started. That's that's a very real thing. I don't know. You can't be more explosive when you lose Chase Claypool. I mean, I know no. that Len, Lindsey's in there and Keys. Yeah, and you do. You go about it differently. I mean, you'll have Austin. Like, there's pieces. Yeah. Austin, Lindsey, Keys um, are reasonably expected to step up and play right. well. The tight ends. I mean, Tremble will really help that group if yeah, Tommy no Tremble doubt. can progress. No but Clay, Claypool's a beast, man. Awesome. I mean. 
He's a Austin beast. will not be as good as Claypool this next year. No. This, that's that's the most logical thing we could say. Like, Lindsey could have a really good year. Um, not as good as Claypool. But uh, you're not getting Boykin to Claypool to Austin no, in, no. in one year because he's barely played football. Right. CMU Pens fan, do you expect Notre Dame to have all of its commitments locked up uh, on early signing day, early signing day, or, or will someone play the waiting game? It certainly seems like they're all expected to sign. I think from what be, I can gather, uh, yeah, me, me, uh, me as well. I, I would be surprised um, at this point. And that's been that will be three years running, right? It's been going on three years. Yeah, three, yeah. Uh, that's three years running, and that's that's a really really good sign. It also shows that you're winning 10, 11 games, twelve games yeah. a year. Uh, so it would almost be kind of silly for a recruit to, to There's uh, bag that at this point. Yeah. Not Jay Tafel. Which player that didn't play significant minutes this season has the most upside in your view? Kevin Austin. <laughs> I think we've talked. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> I kept... to go back to. I'm not saying he's not going to be very good. I'm saying Chase Claypool was awesome and a senior that took four years to be good. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, Kevin Austin definitely. Yeah, uh, there, not even but close. It's not even quite. He didn't play, so let's say someone played. Um, I mean, does Len, I mean, Lindsey's going to be very good. Lindsey has thirty touches and thirteen first downs and eleven chunk plays. I did that this morning. Thirty yeah. touches. No, I'm sorry. Thirty opportunities. So ten targets plus twenty wow. targets plus ten touches. Thirty opportunities, and he has that. So Braden Lindsey should continue this. Uh, he has a long way to go as a receiver. Still, um, I feel like the the deep ball book through him will easily be caught by Braden Lindsay next year when he had it, when it landed in the field of play deep and he was bending into the corner and it just didn't look like he... Yeah. I can't exactly explain to you why the route wasn't perfect, but he didn't run the route well, the way a receiver goes and gets the ball when he's used to running those routes. Lin- Lindsay is... Uh, I mean, you talk about player development. Um, he's Lindsay, Lindsay has developed a lot this year. Paul Moa is a guy as well. Um Isaiah Foskey would be Isaiah, my Isaiah Foskey, Howard Cross. I continue to get feedback from yeah. um, coming from the practice field saying this guy is a beast. He is a beast. I want to slip in uh, a basketball question, and there are many questions after this, so you can't leave us. If it's <laughs> like, oh, not not a basketball question, but I just, I want we to get this. We will predict the final record for the twenty twenty football season, and then we'll, after that, this basketball question, that, that, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's from uh, Dan underscore Brian 21. I don't think anyone expected a basketball team to make the tournament this year, but did you expect it to be this bad? I thought they could put together a 500 season and down ACC, but how many wins do you think they get, and what does the future hold? I wrote about this. I wrote it. I, 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 Feel free to take Yes. It. <laughs> no, Tim, you go first, but I mean, because you were there. We were to, yeah, I, at the game the other night. and I mean, I you know, I was going to write this after Maryland, and then uh, uh, the the calmer head here, O'Malley said, "Wait." And I said, "Okay, because they're going to lose to BC." Is what and, I said. Okay, so. and, and BC uh, yeah, was a continuation of what I felt for the first time. And I know a lot of people have been way ahead of this curve. I got gotcha. you, but I look at things a little bit differently in the profession that we're in. Wednesday, when they got hammered by Maryland, I took a. My viewpoint of Mike Bray and the future of the Notre Dame basketball program changed forever. Yeah, that's fair. I think uh, last year, at no point last year did I expect them to make the NCAA tournament this year, is the strongest thing I can say. And now I have verified that that will not happen. I, so I wrote, last year, at no point, at no point did I think that team that everybody was saying, oh, they're trying so hard and they're hurt, had enough good players to make the NCAA tournament this year. 
and now I have watched them, and that is no longer a ridiculous comment. We have to. Make. to th- this hasn't been said. Okay, the entire team returned. Okay, I guess DJ Harvey didn't, but they weren't playing him at the end. The entire team returned. The entire team returned, including John Mooney. And in addition to the story that I that I wrote, um, and I would encourage people to check that out if you haven't seen it, I just started writing things down that this team lacks. They're not athletic enough. They're not mentally tough enough. They're not physically tough enough. They can't shoot. Player development has been bad. That's a reflection on the coaching staff. Roster management has been outrageously bad. When you say the whole team returns, not enough players return is part of this. Right, exactly. And so now they have a couple injuries again. Did I mention injuries on a regular basis now? That's another thing. Um, Offensive flow, which used to be, it was like poetry with Mike Bray. They don't have that anymore. And they want to hang their hat on defense, but anytime they play anybody good, they don't play well defensively. Other than that, and, okay, you have two recruits that I like coming in. I think they're good players. But they're not. They're. I mean, they're. They're not difference makers. So the present and the future looks bad simultaneously. We could probably break down how it all went wrong with the roster, but very quickly, their junior DJ Harvey was a top 100 player, and whether you say he was a top 100 junior but not senior, I don't care. DJ Harvey had to hit as the lone player coming in. DJ Harvey had to be at least as good as VJ Beecham. I know they're different players. I'm saying let's get a level of player here. Instead, he's a terrible basketball player that would not play a team game, and they're better off without him as bad as they are. Then they didn't get anybody in this class. You can't have that. They've lost one of the five. They've lost the right one of the five from the from the current sophomore class. Doherty was going to be a four- or five-year project right. anyway. Well, but Carmody's out for the year, too. Yeah, so. and that's, that's, <laughs> that's just a really tough loss because he was a guy that was an intriguing player. Right. Um, they're just the best class they had coming in, all those top 100 guys, four of them. They haven't played like that. I know they have another year to do that, but they don't have any other players on their team. Only one player is developed, and that's John Mooney, and so therefore I have to come to the conclusion that that was because of John Mooney, because nobody else has developed. And kudos to him, because I cannot believe how good John Mooney is. Exactly. <laughs> so right. Let me put this on you, and then we move on. Will this be Mike Gray's last year? <clears throat> I think he'll be back. I think he will be back next year because he is embarrassed about what's going on this year, and he's going to really put something into it to come back next year. I, I think Swarbrick will give him... The benefit of the doubt from previous. Seasons. I don't know about. I mean, I don't know. That's I don't know. I know, That's but nice. it's a it's around twenty years. I don't know that he wants to. I don't want to speak for him. I don't want to speak for the university. All I know is that the magic is gone, and I don't see that coming back. Trait expectations. Uh, <laughs> Great name. <laughs> yeah, back to football. Um, uh, Project the early difference makers in the 2020 recruiting class. Uh, I mean, I think it's the it's all the ones that you know about. Um, I think Michael Mayer will come in and he will he will challenge to be the number two tight end. He'll be two B probably because Tremble. Um, I think Tremble's experience is going to help him. I know we're. We've talked, and you've brought it up last time, Pete. That Tremble needs to mature and all that, and that might not happen between year two and three. I think his experience really helped this year, especially that he finished the year strong after having a massive lull. You know, Tommy Tremble did not have a uh, 10-yard gain in between Georgia and the last two games of the season. So he started extremely strong and ended extremely strong. I think it's good that he ended extremely strong because he was getting a little bit lost there. Great call on Mayer being, you could say two, I'll say two B, you know, where he's that good. I just think he's really going to push. I think 
the receiver position will be interesting because I'm not sure between Xavier Watson and Jordan Johnson who will who will click first. I, I think that's much closer in terms of their talent level than what you know your 24 seven arrivals would lead. To I, I mean, I think you I love think, Watson. I, I think I'm a yeah, huge Watson. I think fan. Xavier Watson is a freak. I, I I think he's tremendous. He will he will definitely be in my top five. Yes, and maybe top three. I think he's my five though, but. Uh, and then Tyree, healthy. Um, I think they can work in Chris Tyree because they're going to have a stable of veteran backs around him. Yeah, Does that make I, sense? He doesn't, in other words... Kyron, well, you have to work him and you, you have to use his assets. And right now people are thinking, well, they couldn't work in Kyron Williams. Guess what? Chris Tyree is a way better yeah, athlete that's a, than Kyron we're, Williams. We're talking well, two different things that, there. Yeah, Kyron Williams, I think, just sort of like, what? The moment it's a little bit big, big yep. freshman, that's fine, that happens. Um, if that happens to Tyree, then he also will not play, uh, regardless of how fast he is. Because there'll be a handful of guys there. Right. You're right. I, I, I just, Riley Mills, I, I realize that it's a crowded house there, but, man, that kid is just so physically yeah. overpowering and overwhelming. And I love Jordan Botello, but I think that's that, that might be a numbers situation. Mills is, I think Mills is underrated in this group. Having Ugh. you know, and I, I there is certain you you go out and see certain kids, and you you end up being by there's like a confirmation bias involved with yeah. like when you go see kids, like well I didn't see everybody, but you end up sort of thinking the guys that you see in person are better than the guys you haven't, even though it, you know, logically doesn't make sense. But I having seen Riley Mills in person, I was just really impressed with how athletic and flexible he is. I mean, look, we've all seen defensive linemen come to Notre Dame that look a lot like Riley Mills, and they get here and they're stiff and they're awkward and they put on weight right. and they can't move. Riley Mills is not going to be one of those guys. And he, I mean, I think you could, they recruit him as a strong side defensive end, but if you wanted to play him at three technique, he'd be a beast there too. That's exactly where he's going to play. Yep. Uh, I mean, they sold him on Jerry Tillery. Uh, he does not move as freakishly as Jerry Tillery does, but... There are there are more similarities than differences there. Yeah, well, in terms of how he moves, because of Tillery's length, uh, that yeah. that gives him a little yeah. bit different dimension. Um, but first, I want to answer this first one in there from trade trade expectations. Who are you most excited for for next okay. season? Mine is Ian Book. <laughs> I'm not. I'm serious. The most excited player I want to see next season is Ian Book, because if Ian Book play, continues to ascend from here, right. I want to see him play against Wisconsin yeah. and other teams. And then the third question there was rate the health of the Notre Dame football program. As we look to the bowl in the offseason, okay, rate it one to two thumbs up. <laughs> rate it one to two thumbs yep. up. You're going one with two, two thumbs no, up. I'll okay, on a scale of five, what <laughs> would you rate it? The health of the program is in like the infrastructure and coaching and uh, however you want to interpret 4. that. 4.5? 4.0. I would lean more towards 4.5, I believe. Blue Chip Man, who has gotten the best end of the deal as it strictly relates to football, Notre Dame or the ACC? Leave the non-football sports out of the discussion. Well, if we're strictly this week, (laughs) then the (laughs) ACC. All the other weeks, it's more of a push to maybe advantage Notre Dame. I I think you've got to look a little bit deeper than not getting the Orange Bowl. And and look, I get that because that stinks. But, you know, you just couldn't. So does Virginia now. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> just could realize Notre Dame would have not been in the Citrus Bowl if it wasn't for the ACC contract. Like, do people get no, that? No, they definitely don't that, get that because there was nobody complaining <laughs> about it then. Right, and the other thing that I was going to bring up is that Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick was right in this. They always wanted to be in the ACC because of the media outlets and where you wanted to recruit. You want to recruit in Ames, Iowa? 
Or do you want to recruit you a one? Chance that, right now, right? <laughs> or do you want to recruit <laughs> the a one? Alan Lazard is walking around. <laughs> so I mean, there there are other residual benefits for the program. They are where they they want to be and need to be. This is not a good situation. They should be yeah. playing in the Orange Bowl, but there was no way that John Swafford was going to allow that to be negotiated. The the argument that drives me the most mad is that Notre Dame should be in the ACC. So they could have got the Orange Bowl last year, ignoring the fact that if Notre Dame was in the ACC last year, it would not have made the playoff because it would have got beat by Clemson in the ACC championship game. So, like, where's the upside of that? If you were saying Notre Dame should have been in the ACC last year, great. I will hear your argument now that they should be in. But don't don't be one of those people that started the all-in-with-the-ACC argument on Sunday at 345. Or a few weeks before that, when it was obvious that yeah. they weren't going to go I, there. I have one follow-up to this. You guys need to stay off Twitter. Matty Hebs, <laughs> it's really angry at you. Matty Hebs, 14, did you guys get a chance to ask Brian Kelly if there would be any change in availability with Kevin Austin in the bowl game? Pete asked. Boom, I did. <laughs> and Rose he said no. <laughs> you caught him, too. Because yeah. <laughs> he walked into the trap. Well, actually, no, it's not a trap. He just mentioned it. But it was like my ears perked up when he voluntarily mentioned Kevin Austin. I was like, ah, is he available? He's not available. Thank you. He's not playing. Yeah, well, he didn't play this year either, despite reports that what no, people were hearing that he might play. I, Irish play. Illustrated said in the preseason that he wouldn't play, and he didn't. Now, <laughs> we talked about we talked about this last week. I mean, the possibility seemed like it might be presenting itself, but but as Pete said, that's still the first semester. No, I, you know, right. That's yeah. We we're, were saying we didn't that. know the gray area. Right. The whole game, and but. so a follow up to that is from uh, Mr. Cabral seventy six, which is, um, is it time to update Duloc, the Notre Dame rule book handbook? Kevin Austin's suspension wouldn't even warrant extra laps at other schools. They just updated Duloc within the last five years. Yeah, because they realized it was, it was that crazy. weed was not the same as cocaine. Right, and I don't, I don't agree with the statement. Kevin Austin's suspension wouldn't even warrant extra laps at other schools. No, he, yeah, he would. An assumption is they, being made as to what M. Cabral doesn't know why the entire suspension. Right, happened. and I. So that wasn't four games. We're not going to get into that, but it that's a, that's an incorrect. I believe that to be an incorrect statement. Incorrect, according to the university. It's, you read the rules. No, uh, no doubt. No, but, no, but, in, yeah. but in relation to, does Duloc need to be updated? It was updated. Yeah, like 2012, right? 2012 or 13, maybe? I can't remember. Yeah. They had sort of an informal chat with the in, people who ran it. In 11, um, right? We sat down in the... Um, I think it was later than that. Because okay. um, I remember uh, Lake Littman, who covered them for the then Star, it, was there. Was, yeah, yeah. So it was much later than that. And they, I asked them, like, Explain to me how you came to where you are on marijuana, uh, because they they updated that and they you know they wanted to say hey, look you know we're still have a strong stance on it and I get that but they said that was I think I'm I believe they said that was sort of their number one feedback issue that was like you are way too stringent on something that is socially acceptable a lot of other places that doesn't mean it Notre Dame needs to embrace it but. To treat it the same way that you did as a hard narcotic didn't make any sense. Um, so they have updated. They, you can talk to Kyle McElarney about this. They've come a long way on weed since uh, when he was here and got thrown off the team on Christmas break because um, he had it in his car. Bad call, by the way, driving your car with it. Yeah. That's yeah, not a, not a good decision. Uh, Tim, what do you want to say about that? The extra laps? <laughs> no, that's it's false information. Kevin Austin was closer to being kicked out of school than playing football this season. Yes. That's the end of that. 
Yeah. Um, and he'll be back and playing next year. But but there's also a segment of people that, that say, uh, you know, everybody smokes weed. There shouldn't even be a rule against it. Okay, well, if you don't, you've got to have, there's got to be some level of accountability. Everybody, Otherwise, everybody's coming to practice stoned. And then you're not getting... They're going. They're playing games, Stone, like because there's no like the reper- Michigan week apparently. Because then there would be no repercussions. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what happened? Everybody. It, it, I mean, it, there's there's got I mean, to be there's got to be a rule, but it had to be less stringent than it was. Yes. Yeah. They they have updated it. Is the key to that? Uh, to the I mean, everybody's you're playing Michigan. Everybody's <laughs> or whoever. Wrong. It would have happened against Bowling Green too. You yeah. can't do that. There's got to be a rule. All right, last question. Well, it can happen. See? <laughs> Irish 25 AJS. Lots of coaching extensions getting done. When do you believe Brian Kelly's will be finalized? This question was placed last for a reason, and Pete, uh, go right ahead. Talking to people around Notre Dame, I believe that it's imminent. Um, it's been in the works for, I think, since September is well, when I started on it. When I sat down, when did you sit down with Swarbrick? Was July. it in July? Mine was in August, and we addressed it, and he said that is absolutely at the top of the list, and the intention is to, I said, Brian Kelly has basically stated he wants through 2023, and his response was, we want the same thing. Yeah, I don't know terms of it or anything. I just know that they're, it's very far down the road uh, in terms of negotiating it out. Okay, we are go- We have no more basketball questions. Or we're not going to allow any more, and uh, but we're going to wrap up our uh, our. You think uh, Digger will talk about the eighty-eight game winning streak to get the game on Saturday? There's a good possibility yeah. of that. Um, we will be back a week from today on the sixteenth. We will have access. Uh, the, the echoes are this weekend. We will actually. That's on Friday night. We will actually have access. Do we get to see practice too, or it's just post practice? We don't know about that. But we will have access. Presumably with Brian Kelly and the players on Saturday, December 16th, we will continue to gather information and watch Iowa State and try to get an insight into... You have to always say 7-5 Iowa State. It makes people happier. Unranked 7-5. Unranked 7-5 Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl. They love that. first game. They love that, too. Apparently. That's oh, the fr- oh, <laughs> Iowa State's never played in Florida? That's what Matt Campbell referenced on the teleconference Holy on Sunday. Holy cow. Holy cow. That shouldn't go to Miami. That's okay. Fun. All right. Sounds good. That's it. It's a wrap. Until next week, thanks for joining us. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.